1: And Good afternoon. Welcome back to this weekly conversation. We cover a wide range of legal matters from week to week. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Jim Mitchell, your host. And This week, we turn our attention back to issues that impact businesses really of all sizes as we are going to discuss the topic of trademarks. Now, this is one of those topics that I think we all think we understand, and we'll find out for sure just how good our knowledge is. As we hear from someone who um, I'm quite certain has an in-depth understanding of the topic, that's attorney Ted McGinn. Ted, of course, is a partner at Lavelle Law Limited. He's been generous with his time to join us in the past, and he's back again today. So, Ted, first of all, thanks for being here. Always good to talk to you.
0: Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy participating in these podcasts.
1: A lot to to cover today in in what is, I think, a fairly common topic, but probably one that Uh, needs a little explanation. So let's start really with the most basic question, and that is when we we talk about a trademark, what what does a trademark really do?
0: Well, a trademark differentiates, or actually I guess I should say identifies the source of goods or services. It's a way for a business owner to try to differentiate their products and services from that of their competitors.
1: Okay, and would it be um a name, a brand, an image, uh, is there any you know, limitations can, uh, as to what it could be? Yeah,
0: it can really come in many different forms. I mean the very typical basic trademark is a word. Just a simple word, a name that you may use. Usually you set up a business, you create you know, you, you establish a name to identify your business operation. That is a trademark. That is a trademark. Uh, A little bit more advanced trademarks could involve colors or fanciful designs or even made-up words, you know, words, Mm -hmm. a combination of words, words that aren't a part of the English language, but they become, you know, known and recognizable in the industry, and they they serve as trademarks.
1: And I've noticed on commercials recently um, uh, certain products have have sort of a – a sound identifier, kind of a little tone at the end, um, yeah. you know, some of the computer companies. Is that something that would be trademarked as well?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, even uh, jingles, slogans, mm-hmm. uh, you know, companies spend a lot of money creating these images or sounds or jingles or whatever it may be, and, you know, it's a way that consumers can readily identify who is the uh, you know who's the manufacturer or who's the source of this particular product, and it creates value in the industry depending on how much money is spent by the manufacturer or the, the business owner to you know advertise this mark and just create a name for themselves.
1: So, how do you go about you know getting a trademark? Do you do you simply you know uh, use it in some way? Do you have to file something? What's the process? Well.
0: Contrary to popular belief, trademark can happen just by using a name in interstate commerce. The minute a business starts slapping a name on its product or put a sign on its door and puts that out there, that is a trademark. It doesn't, you know, you're not required to register the mark. Just by using it in interstate commerce, you have common law trademark rights. Now, there are certain benefits to registration, and we can get into that later on here. But to answer your question, to create a trademark, all you have to do is just use that mark.
1: So really, this year you mentioned uh, companies spending large sums of money to create content and images. Uh, They don't have to spend a lot of money to trademark anything, then, do they?
0: Well, like I said before, there there are benefits with registration, and, okay. and companies, if they're going to invest a lot of money trying to create value for that mark, you know, with advertisements on television, newspapers, magazines. I mean, magazines aren't as popular as they used to be, but if, if a company is going to spend a lot of money advertising that mark and getting it out there, then it's most likely they're probably going to spend some money. Trying to register the mark and, and gain federal protection on it with the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Interesting.
1: Okay, well, we'll get into some more details here in a minute. So, so basically, you know, um, a, a trademark. It's not something that needs to be renewed. It's not, you know, a question of permanence. It's as you just said, by by the act of putting it out there, at least the first step is taken. Now, what about you know protecting it once they put it out there? There may be somebody else that tries to play off of that. Maybe somebody that had something similar prior. How, how do you sort of protect your rights again for a trademark
0: well uh, certainly registration is a good way to to protect your your mark your common-law mark Uh, let's talk about registration real quick Mm -hmm. registration is a process where you will apply to the United States Patent and Trademark Office for uh, recognition of ownership of a particular trademark the process involves the preparation and filing of an application uh, there's a if you pay a filing fee when you file your application, I believe it it depends on the nature of the the mark and the number of classes you're going to be filing under but uh but but once you file your application, the case is assigned to an attorney with, within their office it's that attorney's job to review the application, make sure that the mark is actually working as a trademark. Uh, we can you know, some believe it or not, sometimes some words really are not trademarkable depending on uh the, the products in question. But but assuming the, 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 the trademark attorney feels that it's okay, then the next step is that they publish that mark for opposition. And in that in that situation it, the the application process enters into another phase where other parties out there, if they wish, they can file an objection. If they believe for some reason the application, the mark in question, may infringe upon their rights, they can file an, an objection, in which, create, in which case that creates a procedural, uh, some steps there that is followed. And The, the applicant has a right to file a, a, a rebuttal and there's a process involved. But basically, uh, assuming that doesn't happen, then the United States Patent and Trademark Office would then grant the registration at that point.
1: And is there a similar process at a state level, or is it simply federal that would handle the that? State
0: level, there is a process involved with the state of Illinois with registering a trademark. It's a it's a very simple pro- process with the state of Illinois. There's an application that you fill out, you pay the fee, and there's very little, if any, sort of review on the state to to determine whether or not there's infringement. If as long as it doesn't match. A previously filed application they'll go ahead and register it um, and so it's important to understand from a state standpoint when you register with them that does not necessarily mean you have a federally protected trademark so that's a very very low level of scrutiny to get a state registration there are some benefits to do that and um, but it's a very low uh, processing part of getting it registered with the state
1: Okay, well, we're talking to Ted McGinn on Chicago's Legal Latte today. He is with uh, Lavelle Law Limited, and you can learn more about Ted and his work at Law dot com. You'll find articles he's written and past podcasts, uh, as well as those from uh, a number of other attorneys. In fact, you'll find several hundred podcasts there now that we've been accumulating, and, and they're all uh, cover a variety of topics. Um, you just mentioned a little bit, you know, about trademarks, and then you talked about the registration process. When, when I was looking at this topic, you know, I can envision um, words or images with that little TM up to the upper right next to them, and also the circle with the R, which we've always assumed to mean, you know, a registered name. First of all, what's the difference between those two marks? And, and two, is there some? Do you have to have gone through this process to be able to actually use those little images on your name?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. The question that we receive quite a bit. The TM that is that that stands for trademark. You may see maybe you probably don't see it quite as often as SM service mark. Uh, but anybody who has a mark that they use in commerce, they have the right to put that on there. Put that little symbol there besides their mark. In question, you're you're telling the world essentially that this is. You consider this to be your trademark, your service mark. When you see the R. That means that you've actually taken the step and actually filed with the United States Patent and Trademark Office and have, and have obtained registration with their office. And and so that's, what, that's why you see the R sometimes, maybe not as often as you see the TM. If you just see the TM, chances are they have not taken that additional step of obtaining registration.
1: Okay. Now, it's interesting, too, you mentioned that the, the application goes through the patent uh, and trademark office and the process you were describing sounded very much like a patent application where there's a review process and look for similarities and i know with a patent you you need to be very specific about design or functionality uh is a trademark application that detail as well in terms of size and shape and ratios and all of that
0: Yeah, the application can be a little bit uh, complicated because the first thing that you have to do when you file an application, you have to first determine the basis for filing. You can either file it based upon use in commerce, or you can also file it based upon intent to use in commerce. Uh, I can envision a situation where someone has created or identified some sort of a mark, some sort of a fanciful term or name, and they want to use it, but they're afraid to use it in commerce because once you start using it without the registration, you run the risk of somebody else seeing that and stealing that idea. So if you're concerned about that, you could file an application with their office based upon intent to use in commerce. And then you go through the process, as I described before, and if the United States Patent and Trademark Office is okay with the the, the mark, then they would grant a notice of allowance then at that point, the applicant has six months to actually use the mark in commerce, and then you get the full final uh, registration. Once you do that, you have to file an affidavit of, of use in commerce at that point. But the reason you would do that, if, you, if you're if you afraid that someone may steal your idea and register before you, uh, so then in that case you can file it under intent to use.
1: So so protection, is, is that considered to be the, the primary benefit of registration then?
0: Uh well that is a, a big benefit obviously I mean you have you have some common law protection but the 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 two main things I explain to our clients on registration number one it shifts the burden of proof in any sort of infringement dispute uh, if there, if someone starts using a mark similar to yours and you want to stop them from using it you you're afraid they're stealing your clients or your customers because your customers are confused and believe they're buying goods from you and in fact they're buying it from your competitor um, that, that that's a classic case of infringement but with registration you you shift the burden of proof upon them to prove that they're not infringing on your mark and then number 2 the other benefit is attorney fees this is always a big issue with clients you may have the greatest case in the world you may have all the evidence that they are infringing on your mark And you want to stop them from doing that. Well, what do you have to do? You have to hire an attorney to go out there and enforce your rights by filing an infringement suit. Sometimes it can get costly. They can get costly. If you have registration, though, you have a right under the statute to recover your attorney fees. And that's a very powerful tool when you start getting into negotiations with the other side, trying to seek some sort of an amicable resolution. And, and then if even if you're, uh, you know, if you have to trial the, try the case and go to all the way to the trial, you can, you know, you're going to win not only the damages, but also attorney fees.
1: And, you know, we've, we've got just about a minute left here, but as you were talking, the, the description you've given basically to me makes it sound like the trademark is is effectively an asset of a company. So does that mean that then that trademark and rights that go with it can be bought and sold as part of absolutely
0: yeah no doubt about it it is an asset it's called an intangible asset your typical assets are something that you can put your arms around grab a hold of pick it up throw it around whatever trademarks are intangible assets and certainly you could buy and sell these trademarks you can what you see often is a license where you allow somebody to use your trademark the classic license comes up in a franchise situation when anybody becomes a franchisees of a restaurant like McDonald's or Burger King or Taco Bell, you're essentially signing a license agreement where those companies who have developed those marks are now letting you use those marks in exchange for a royalty.
1: Interesting. Well uh here we go. Fifteen minutes come and gone already. We want to thank Ted McGinn for being with us. As always a great deal of information. And uh, we appreciate you listening. And, again, uh, LavelleLaw.com is a place to go to listen to this conversation again or any of the others we've had in the past. And don't forget, every Tuesday we're right back here with another conversation, and we look forward to having you with us next week. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847 705 seven five 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 or email us at podcast at labellaw.com